Welcome to this edition of In the Author's Voice. I'm Jeff Williams. The National Cancer Institute estimates there will be 1.6 million new cases of cancer diagnosed in the United States during 2016. About 40% of us will experience some form of cancer during our lifetime. Two nurses who run the Cancer Answer Line at Cleveland Clinic's Cancer Institute are out with a new book based on more than 15 years of helping cancer patients and their families. The book is The Complete Cancer Organizer. I recently talked with advanced practice nurse and book co-author Jamie Schwachter about the book and what it's like to run a Cancer Answer Line. And so we wanted to create a book that they can have, take with them to treatment or, you know, even family members, friends, to read about cancer. All of the answers are in the book. Um, so we've really taken all these questions and given the answers um, and, and organized it in a fashion from, you know, the time they get the biopsy through survivorship. This is probably probably one of those one of those things that just about everyone you walk you would come in contact with has either has had a family member or knows someone that is has gone through the ordeal of 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 having of having to work through uh, having cancer and is just not knowing do you find the the biggest cause of stress not really knowing what to even expect when they doctor tells them that oh by the way you have cancer Definitely, and we've kind of outlined that in the book. So we get a lot of calls from people that um, they may have found something on a chest X-ray or just recently been diagnosed with cancer, and it's all overwhelming. You know, cancer affects every aspect of your life. And if you're a parent, you think about your children. If you have a partner, you think about them. You think about work, finances. You know, it affects basically everything. And then on top of that, um, you know, you're maybe physically not feeling well, and then you have all this anxiety. So you know, it's kind of, um, people are in panic mode in the very beginning, sometimes when we speak to them, and, um, you know, we kind of guide them through it a little bit, and I think letting them know what to expect, you know, what is a biopsy, what is chemo, what is radiation, um, and the whole process, you know, I think it is the fear of the unknown. The book is kind of like, as you say, it's kind of a, it is a, kind of a, a, a roadmap for, 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 for individuals and families that are, that are, um, going through this, and probably many of them maybe for the for the first time, but even if you're going through this, because I have family members that have gone through multiple times, that not all cancers are exactly the same, and and I know that even treatments are can can be can be different. That's a, a very good statement, actually. You know, we tell people. Don't compare yourself and don't get on the Internet. You know, there's obviously a lot of reputable sites out there, websites, um, and we, we share those in our book, and also we share uh, resources over the phone with patients. Um, but there's a lot of scary stuff out there, and you don't know. There's a, over 100 different types of cancers, and within those, there's subtypes, and there are different treatments for different people. Um, now they're really tailoring treatment to the type of cancer cell. And so, you know, comparing to other people, I think um, – really just causes more undue stress because you don't really know what kind of cancer they had or what kind of treatment they had, and treatments have changed even in the past five years, most definitely. Did you ever get a call from someone that said, I was just on WebMD and I, I know I have cancer? I haven't seen my doctor yet, but I know I have cancer. What do I need to do? We get that call actually quite a lot, and we tell people, okay, so, you know, why do you think you have cancer? You know, let's explore this a little bit. You know, maybe it's a fear of, of, you know, they found something or they have a symptom or they have family members and they're afraid that, you know, genetically they're predisposed. So it's kind of like, okay, why do you, let's find out why. And if there are, you know, cancer myths that we have to dispel, 
I think knowledge and education is very important. Um, but starting with their primary care provider is, you know, the place to be. Um, we typically see patients here at the Tosse Cancer Center when they've been diagnosed. You know, we manage cancer care. So for a workup, seeing your primary care doctor is the place to go, and then they can refer you to any types of specialists based on your symptoms. For cancer patients or, or family members that are, are aiding cancer patients, do you find that you have more questions on, on you know, the cancer itself or on, okay, where do I go to get services or what kind of services can I try to find or what kind of services do I need to try to help in the yeah. treatment? Yeah, so, you know, typically when the, the caregiver calls us, you know, it's usually when treatment has started, um, they kind of are knowledgeable about, about the treatment. They want to know how they can help. And um, a lot of it's about nutrition, number one. You know, what, what do I feed them? What can, what can they eat? You know, what's a cancer diet? Um, and then also about side effects. And, you know, there's a lot of, you know, in any relationship, um, if you're not communicating. So we always tell people, you know, the patient themselves, you have to express what you need. This is the time where you need to really talk to your family members and your caregivers and tell them what they need. They can't read your mind, and then vice versa. So I think communication, we've tried to explain, is very, very important. And, you know, being part of a team, um, support is really important for the patient, but also the caregiver needs support too. Um, they need to take care of themselves. You know, they always say to be a good caregiver, you have to care for yourself too. For someone that has a, uh, that's just received a new, a new, uh, cancer diagnosis, and they're just entering treatment, and and I'm sure probably throw up a lot of questions. Where the where's a good place to to start in terms of things that I need to know, or or maybe things I I, I should know. You know, a couple of things we tell people, um, you kind of lay it on the line. You know, don't be afraid to ask questions. Number one, you know, this is a time where you need to really make sure that your, your physician and your cancer care team spends time with you and you walk in there with prepared questions. And a lot of times, you know, we, we go in, we're so nervous, we really only absorb, I think they say, what, 40% of the information that's given to us anyway. So when you're under stress, you know, it's much less. So we've kind of outlined in the Complete Cancer Organizer exa exactly what questions to ask your primary care provider, your radiation oncologist, your medical oncologist, your surgeon. So there are pre-printed pages with questions that are available. So number one, don't be afraid to ask questions. And then it's okay to get a second opinion. We have a lot of questions about second opinions. You know, they don't want to um, offend their current physician. Um, and then number three, develop a support system. You know, obviously that's very important. I had a family member go through go through prostate cancer, and, and he absolutely didn't want anybody to know that he was going through the process, and kept it very, very isolated. And I mean, just an immediate family member, and no one outside of the immediate family had any idea that he was even going going through that process. Is that common that people don't want to don't want to share, don't want others to know, or maybe are afraid what others will think if they find out that they have some particular form of cancer? Definitely, that's a good question. We get a lot of people that want to know um, who to share information with, who not to share information with. We actually have a chapter in the book, Difficult Conversations is what it's called, and it talks to um, the patient or the caregiver who to share information with and how to do that from, you know, how to tell your children, gives information uh, that's age appropriate, you know, based on their age, what to tell them. But, you know, there's also the employer that you have to think about too. You know, how do you protect yourself? 
and, you know, what do you want to share at work and what don't you want to share at work? You know, I think that's okay. You have to respect the fact that people may not want everyone to know. I think in their eyes, they feel that they're going to become their cancer instead of who they are. And so relationships will change and people will only want to talk about cancer. So I think that's what they're afraid of. In in working the cancer line and talking to probably hundreds, if not thousands of of patients and, 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 and family members, are there some questions that you just can't answer or or shouldn't answer? Yeah, so sometimes we have people that call and they want a complete you know second medical opinion over the phone, which which we don't do. Um, you know we say, well, you can either come for a visit or there's an online second opinion that may be helpful for people that live you know on the west coast, let's say. Um, but yeah, there are some some difficult questions. There's some questions that um, I may be on the phone 20, 30 minutes with a person, and at the end of the conversation, they just needed someone to listen to them, or maybe they figured out, you know, the answer to their own question. Um, but usually it's about the medical opinion that we can't give. In all the time that you've been on the cancer line and all the questions and that you've had to dealt with, is there a particular, not necessarily a particular patient or a particular storyline, but is there a particular type of question that just that really sticks out that, that you know you're going to get and is, is always maybe not the easiest of questions to answer? You know, some cancers are treated um, with, with different um, means of, of therapies. And so someone may have been diagnosed, let's say, with prostate cancer, and there are many different treatments for that particular person. And usually the urologist or the oncologist will lay out the plan of care and say, okay, here are your choices. And so based on that, the patient has to make a decision. I think it's hard when a cancer has many different types of treatments and the decision is basically placed in the patient's hand. You know, you could go this route or you could go this route. Uh, so sometimes people call and they, they say, well, what would you do if you were me? And, you know, I say to them, well, I can explain to you what the treatments are, the risks versus the benefits, and then, you know, you're going to have to decide. Um, so we can tell them, we can educate them about all the different means of treatment, but you know, we can't make the decision for them. I can't even begin to imagine what, obviously, your, your training prepares you for, for answering the helpline questions and, and in years of experience. It, are you ever stumped by a question that, that, that comes in? Well, you know, I've been a nurse practitioner for quite a while, and Josette's a clinical nurse specialist. And we've been, you know, we've seen patients in clinic, you know, we've written um, articles and books and, and everything. But I've never had cancer myself. So to have that, that true empathy, I've never walked in their shoes. So I can, I can feel with them or try to put myself in their shoes, and that's what the definition of, of empathy is, but to truly feel that. And so sometimes I tell patients, I, I don't know what you're feeling. I can't tell you I know or it's going to be okay because maybe it's not right now. Um, I can be a listening ear, but, um, you know, I can give you all the education, but sometimes I, I don't have the answer. And sometimes it's okay to say, you know, I, I don't know. There are some instances where people will ask a question about a particular type of therapy, and I may need to find something out and then give them a call back or a certain clinical trial to get some more information for them. So I always tell people, this doesn't have to be our final conversation. I can give you a call back, you know, once I find out the answer. I've got to imagine that there are probably just days that, that 
that this particular responsibility must wear on you, just as there, I'm sure there are days that this is, can be f- incredibly rewarding to be able to, to talk to, to people about, about their diagnosis and about their treatment. Definitely. And I think, too, you know, as a nurse practitioner and anyone in the medical profession or any kind of profession where you're helping people, you know, I think it's important that, that we take care of ourselves. And I think I learned that early on. Um, you know, I have a family, and so when I leave work, um, I really practice mindfulness. And definitely this job gives me gratitude every single day. You know, I'm thankful. And if I could help someone, and, you know, it really is, you know, we get people calling back and saying, you know, you really helped me. I talked to you about a year ago. And um, so, you know, it's, it's very fulfilling. Um, and I could say, you know, the old cliche, I can't imagine doing anything else, but I can't. And, you know, growing up, I, I always wanted to be a nurse. So I'm doing exactly what I love. The book is, is, is pretty much an A to, a to Z um, roadmap for this. I'm guessing it's, it's probably appropriate not only for those that are just kind of starting down this path, but even you know, listeners that may be um, struggling through a, a middle of a, of, a, of a cancer treatment that may just need some additional insight or some additional reinforcement about what they're doing, that it's, a, it's, it's good for, for them as well. You know, definitely. I had one of our social workers um, take a look at it, one of our oncology social workers, and she said, you know, she's going to actually utilize it with uh, the new social workers that are coming on board because it, it is from A to Z. You know, it talks about the diagnosis, the treatment, the emotional aspects, caregivers. I mean, any, any subject you can imagine, it's in the book. Rather tongue-in-cheek, but I am going to ask anyway. So, so what do you wear to chemotherapy? <laughs> Well, you wear something. I've never been, so I've yeah. <laughs> Well, people, I think, have this idea that it's this big place with all these chairs lined up, and they put you in a gown and you're freezing. And so, you know, kind of to tell these people, and, and here we, we actually have a chemotherapy education class where we take people down to the chemo treatment room you know, prior to their treatment so they can actually see it and then, you know, kind of dispel that huge mental picture that they have. So you want to be comfortable. Uh, They just want to be able to get to your arm if you're getting it through an IV or in your port, which is typically on the top of the chest here. Um, So anything, as long as they can get to what they need to get to, you can wear anything. We always tell people, definitely dress in layers. Um, Usually the IV fluids are a lot colder than what your body temperature is, and so it can make you cold. (laughs) <laughs> and so you, you definitely want to make sure you dress warm. And the nurses in the chemo area are wonderful. You can ask for extra blankets, um, you know, whatever, whatever you need. Mm-hmm. Are, there, are there any wrong questions to ask whenever someone is going through this and, and they call a, a helpline like yours or, or, or another? Oh, definitely not. You know, I always tell people, you don't have to tell me my, your name. I'll never meet you, and this is completely anonymous, so whatever you want to ask. Um, sometimes they're a little embarrassed to ask about certain types of GYN cancers or prostate cancer side effects like incontinence or impotence or, you know, sexual dysfunction. And I always tell them, look, there's not a question that I haven't heard. You're not going to, you know, shock me in any way. Nurses, I think, have heard it all. And so there's no wrong question. If you have a question, it needs to be answered. That's advanced practice nurse Jamie Schwachter with the Cleveland Clinic's Cancer Answer Line and co-author of The Complete Cancer Organizer. In the author's voice is an original web-based series and a listener-supported service of WSIU Radio and Southern Illinois University. I'm Jeff Williams.